It's um, it's three of us tonight. Three, but um, Dan's aged a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boys. <laughs> what an introduction! Bang. Paul Barbaza, welcome back. Thanks, Joe. Jules, good to be on. Uh, big shoes to fill the night with. Uh, Petraka's been out, so I'll have to yeah. uh, come up with something to knock him over. Well, he, you don't need to knock him over. He's knocked over after speaking to him today after his bucks. He is well and truly still uh, still knocked over, Baz, I can tell you for a fact. If if Dan's requesting leave from uh, from a weekend out, Jules, I think you and I both know that he, uh, that he well and truly needs it. Oh, for sure. And what a weekend it was. Um, yes, yeah, obviously kicking off Friday night and then finishing up, what, mid-Sunday. Mid, um, so, um, yeah, it was a good weekend. One for the ages, that's for sure. You went out, some, you backed it up on Sunday night, did you not, Jules? Yeah, I don't know how I did it, to be honest. Uh, you young blokes, I don't know how you do it. Nah, not me, Buzz. I was in bed nice and early on Saturday. I didn't want to write myself off. It was uh, it was good. It was long enough days it was. Uh, yes, so it's it been a while since I had you on, Buzz, and uh, I think uh, I think we'll crack into this uh, without any, any more mucking about. I give no credit to this side ever. I give no respect to this side ever. John O'Brook, honorary blue brother, Will Hayes. Yeah, Mr. Paul Sebastiani, welcome back to the show, mate. This one game is a builder of you know, a year's worth of work. That's, that's if you think of his performance. And I gave my opinion. <laughs> it's an opinion-based podcast, fair enough. <laughs> yes, we are back after a week off. We needed a week off. It was a long season, but we're back with episode 110 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast. Proudly powered by the Blue Broad Podcast Network and YouTube channel and proudly sponsored by Vortep. We've got to get you some of this gear, Baz, this Vortep gear. I'm wearing the T-shirt. Jules wearing the crew. And, uh, oh, I'd love some. It's some, some comfy, comfy, comfy shit is, is what XL. we say every week. XL. <laughs> they're oversized. So you might fit into a, they're, they're oversized, Baz, so you might fit into a medium. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't already, if you are with us tonight, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you haven't already, like, subscribe to Blue Abroad um, if you haven't. And uh, follow us on Instagram, Adamwise Blues Brothers, Twitter, Adamwise Blues Bros. Twitter at the moment, especially in the last couple of weeks since a certain team won the flag. If you want some entertainment, go straight to our Twitter, uh, Adamwise Blues Bros. And uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, leave us five stars and a review. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, it's good to be back. Jules, we did have a week off last week. Um, oh, before we get into it as well, vortep.com.au at the bottom. Uh, enter Almost Blues Brothers at the checkout. One word, 10% off all your Vortep gear. Uh, Jules, we did have a week off last week. How? What did you get up to last weekend? You weekend can't remember prior. what you did yesterday. I can't remember the weekend prior, to be honest with you. Um, it's very difficult having the weekend that we just had. So Grand, grand final. Um, oh, that's the one. That's the one. It was a good final, to be fair. It was a very good final. Um, both uh, performed really, really well. Um, but when just watching the game, it was more of thinking how much we can match it with these guys, particularly at like the MCG as well. I think at the Gabba, it's a bit difficult, but at the G, I think it's another game if we play Brisbane. Um, so it's going to be very, very interesting the way things roll out um, in 2024, that's for sure. Baz, you've, uh, you've been busy again on... Uh in the podcasting world 
You had a few yeah, uh, we, few shows. Carlton show resurrected as the uh, as the final series <laughs> rolled on. It was uh, it was good. It's good to have you back on the airwaves. Yeah, I think we did three or four um, leading up to the Sydney game. The Sydney game itself, um, the Melbourne one, like a bit of a preview for the Brisbane one. So yeah, no, it was good to get back on the airwaves and um, catch up with Gex and Andy Marr, and it was good. Um, would have liked to have had one more. Would have been terrific. Oh no, two more would have been terrific to overview the prelim we didn't do and um would have been nice to uh uh review a grand final but not to be uh that'll keep for another day we'll get there no doubt in any of our minds that we will get there eventually uh before we get into the carlton section of this because jules touched on the grand final baz i want to get your thought i'm not going to go into this unless they rock up in the live chat tonight which i don't think they will because they're all a bunch of cowards so it's fine but baz we had a we had a little discussion during the week after the grand final and thoughts. I, I, I refuse to give that team any credit whatsoever, and I still do. And I'm, I'm, you won't see me do it. But uh, your thoughts on the game? It was a brilliant game. That's that's what I will say. Oh, it was definitely. It was one. I, I, I'm gone. The record is saying it's one of the best grand finals I've actually witnessed. Um, um, it just ebbed and flowed. I thought there were some big clutch goals from both sides. Um, the first half was unbelievable. Second half became a little bit more of a grind, but, you know, I, I suppose fatigue set in a little bit for both sides. Um, and then when I just thought that Collingwood had, had pretty much closed the door on Brisbane, they kicked one late and, you know, all hell breaks loose and there's a couple of minutes to go. And then, of course, there's that, you know, dubious decision late. Uh, the advantage um, rule was paid, probably shouldn't have been, but um, what would have happened after that, we'll never know. Um, no, I thought it was a brilliant game of footy. Probably the best side on the day one, having kicked about nine, had about nine extra scoring shots in the opposition. Um, in terms of giving, you know, that club credit, I mean, I think both you boys, and I'm not sure if your listeners know, but I, you know, despise them, you know, big time. I actually hate them, can't stand them. But I guess at some stage you, you do, you know, you take your hat off, you say, you know, well done. Um, someone's got to win it. It was them. Um, and now, you know, there's three teams on 16 premierships, I believe. Um, and it gives us that extra incentive now to, to chase that 17th one and and be, you know, the number one side in the comp after some of the It took them 23 years. I think Essendon won the 16th. So it took the Pies 23 years to, to get there and, and match us both. I doubt it's going to take us 23 years to get to 17, is all I'll say. I don't think, uh, well, from here, it's obviously taken us <laughs> taken us almost 30 to this point. But from here, I don't think we're going to be waiting another 23 years for uh, for number 17. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll almost bank on us being the first one there at this point. Yeah, well, I'd hope so. I mean, our window is definitely in the next three to five years, you'd think, with our age demographic and the players that we've got on the list and who might come on the list and you know, um, draft and trade time, you know, and, and natural improvement. There's got to be some natural improvement there. I don't think there's a ceiling in some of the players that we've got at the club at the moment. So I, I think mm. they can give even more, um, particularly the younger brigade. And as the older brigade get more experience, particularly with finals, um, you've seen, you know, Geelong and Collingwood, uh, can't, I don't know what, what Richmond's demographic was in terms of age, but, um, you know, you can see now that 30-plus is not an issue. It's actually 
um, a plus really for your side. So uh, I don't think we only have probably one player over 30 years old. And I think he's retired. Or no, maybe yeah. Nick yeah. Newman. I think Newey. Yeah, I think Newey. Yeah, Newey will be the only one next year, I believe. Yeah, so I'll, I certainly wouldn't panic, you know, in, in, you know, if we didn't uh, get to the grand final next year or the year after. But, you know, you certainly want to make um, – what's the word? Um, you certainly want to make the most of it with blokes like Cripper and Doherty and, and they, these fellas there who are, you know, getting to the high 20-year-old sort of status. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think um, I think from memory, I think I had calculated, and I think Collingwood had like nine or so players um, in the grand final side over the age of 30, and Geelong yeah, right. would have had probably arguably more, to be honest with you. I think, And I think Collingwood as well, if they were to go with potentially like a McStay um, and an Adams, um, if they were available, they would have had at least 10 players. Over yeah, the right. Of yeah, they would have. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not here to give, you know, the Collingwood Football Club any credit, that's for sure and for certain. Um, but all I will say is that, you know, they're well coached. They've got some really good players. You know, you don't win a premiership unless you've got good players. Um, uh, the one thing I will say is that they've had numerous victories under a goal, under 10 points, really, over the last two years. And, and I know that a lot of people would say, well, gee, aren't they a lucky side? Well, you might be able to say that for a few times, but some of those, they've come from behind. And they've certainly got grit. They've, you know, they, they know how to get it done. So I think it's a bit more than luck, you know, so. Well trained, for sure. They trained it. For sure. they, and they've admitted that they trained for it, but uh, when it's – I can't remember the stat, but it was a silly number of games in their last two years that, that they've won by under 10 points. Just think they've got the footy well, gods I, on their side a little bit for whatever reason, they, and, they, and you've got to right. – and yeah. this is the thing. We've said this multiple times this year. You, you, to win flags, you need luck. We had luck at, at one stage this year. It looked like we had luck on our side, and they've had it for – as long as they have, but that luck runs out eventually. So hopefully it runs out for them yeah. sooner rather than later and we, the, uh, we get it back on our terms. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that in terms of the luck though, you know, obviously they're well-trained and well-drilled in terms of how they do it. But I feel like as if, because they've been doing it for so long as well, it's that psychology, sorry, the psychological factor going um, against the opposition because they've been mm. doing it for so long, um, particularly going into the last quarter and um, obviously their supporters being well, um, I guess, you know, entrenched in that type of environment for so long that they know the boys, you know, will be able to get it up in the end. Um, and then obviously off the back of that, they'll be there able to support them. So, and I have no doubt that um, we're building that with the likes of, um, you know, our support base. And even in regards to how Crips spoke last night in terms of us being louder and if we, even if we are playing away games and, you know, obviously having the full support of our supporters on, you know, and pushing the players on, um, we're going to be able to build on what we've done this year. Um, and be even better than Collingwood for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, um, you know, they, they've obviously got some really good players, but um, there's a few in there that have, have taken the piss out of us in the last couple of years. Notably, I think Sidebottom, um, Pendlebury, uh, and Maynard. There might have been one or two actually, another one or two that have taken the piss out of us. And now, I don't, you know, I mean, they, they're winners, so they can say whatever they like. But it certainly flows onto their crowd and their nuffy supporters. They've got enough of them. Um, and the way they've been behaving on social media the last, well, since they've won the grand final, uh, is nothing short of disgraceful with a few of them. But, um, you know, every club's probably got them. 
they probably got a few more than most because you know that's that's what they that's what they are that's exactly what they are i mean well i saw some idiot post something he actually went to the carlton footy ground um and he had his go pies van there and he took his phone in there and he's gone through the joint and gone up to our cups and said look at this more filth and gone into our in our shop and and sort of not interrogated but sort of had a go at the sheila behind the jump there and mate, just just a shocking shocking person and he posted that like what a moron uh they uh they're full of them they they are dead set full of them and uh, for a bloke who's you know i'm almost 60 next year i'll be 60 so i've been around for a long time and part of my hatred obviously stemmed from the people that played at the club maybe well not so much coach the club but people who played at the club but it stemmed from the stands it, it, just, yeah. they just have so many morons. <laughs> we've uh, we've fired him up, Jules. It's beautiful. I love it. Well, <laughs> they are. They're, you know, they're, what, they are. That you 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 said something there around. They've probably got more than they've got. They've got a few more than the rest. And I'll tell you, after this last week, Baz, I can uh, I can attest to that. I think uh, I think we'll move on because we've got a, we've got a bit of blues to talk about still. Like we've yeah, <laughs> fifteen minutes in, we've got. Uh, <laughs> We've just had a Collingwood for 15 minutes. I don't mind it. I could do this for two hours if you wanted to. Uh, but no, we will move on. We've got John Nichols' medal to talk about. We've got Baz's season overview that we're going to get to and some trade and free agency as well. So without any further ado, Jules. Let's get into it. It's uh, it's funny. We're 15 minutes in, not one of them have showed up in the live chat like they uh, like they said they would. So, goes to show the uh, the character of the group. So anyway, John Nichols medal. It was uh, it was a fantastic night. Didn't get to go because Jules and I were recovering um, from Dan's bucks. But uh, from all reports and from what I saw on the stream, it looked like a a brilliant night at the Palladium there, um, and with a few surprises as well. I think the biggest surprise, like you said, Baz was uh, was the winner overall. Waiters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I know he had a very good – well, he's obviously had a good season. He was – he was all – was he all Australian nominated? 40. Correct. Was he nominated the 20, in the 40? And again, unfortunately, was overlooked. But um, he's won his second John Nichols medal. Um, I kind of felt that he would be in the top five or six. Um, the fact that he won it. Um, I was a little surprised because I thought his first eight to ten weeks were a little bit subpar uh, for him personally. Um, maybe we maybe we rank him a little bit harder than others, but um, I don't think he got beaten badly in those games. But it just he just wasn't himself, perhaps. Um, but he certainly certainly you know scored very heavily in those first ten to twelve rounds. And once I saw where he was situated in that. I think it was in the top four or five. I thought, well, he's well positioned to win this because I knew his second half was pretty big, very big actually. Um, and it probably even flowed into the into the finals. So worthy winner. Take nothing off him, but he's he was a little bit of a surprise that he actually won it. But um, I actually thought um, Charlie or Nick Newman might win it purely for consistency wise, but. Uh, Mm. Yeah, what I was listening to Weering speak 
um, obviously post the win last night. Um, and he did say that Aaron Hamill did have a conversation with him mid-year. Now, obviously, we're not privy to, um, to obviously, the, what happened and what he did say. But what do you think changed in Weedering's game to be able to kickstart his second half of the year? Um, I, I think he was extremely, uh, like a lot of our team, um, sort of played safe footy, perhaps, or um, like he's, what's his strengths? He went back to what he does well. I mean, if the, if the ball was there to be marked, mark it. If the ball was there to be punched, punch it. And I think he might have been second-guessing himself a little bit um, earlier on. And whether that was a – well, the whole team was a little bit jaded from those last few weeks last year that – whether that was still in their minds, I have no idea. But I think when he got back to just playing to your strengths, uh, for him particularly, I think he was, well, he was unbeatable. I, I don't think he got beaten uh, from the Buddy Franklin game onwards, I reckon. Yeah, he was in the middle of the second well, part of the year. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, like, he's... When you think about it, his turnaround and him and his success, his individual success at the end of the year is quite symbolic of the way that we turned our season around. Like he had, he went through trials and tribulations of his own as, as an individual oh, yeah. uh, on, off the field, obviously, that everyone sort of not as forgotten about, but you know, you do forget about it when you start winning games and when, when he hits the form that he hits. But there's a lot of turmoil there for him that he had to get through and he did. And, and like you said, Baz, from pretty much a Sydney game onwards, he was unbeatable and we were almost the same in, in the same sort of vein of form from that point. So it's quite symbolic. I think the turn, his turnaround versus the team's turnaround. I think obviously him winning the JNM, it's a, it's a nice tip of the cap to a bloke that was, I believe uh, a, one of one of, if not the catalyst for that turnaround in form that we saw and that, that 11 out of 13 game win streak that, uh, that we witnessed. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, you know, even to kind of think about it, like if I was to think about our, if I was to rank our lines, it'd be number one defense, two midfield, three forward line over the course of the year. You know, and to the top two, are arguably our two best defenders over the course of the whole year. Mm. And then you got the yeah. likes of um, who else? Who else made it? Mitch McGovern made ten as well. And I'll, I'll flash. Know, I'll flash the um, Sard, I'll flash the top ten. Top ten. Doherty made Sard top Sard as well. So oh, four probably, of the... probably doesn't really play back, I, I guess. But well, he was probably mm. earlier. But um, Assad's yeah. in there, is it? Yeah, even Acres. You could arguably say out of the two wingers, he sort of he's yeah. arguably the one that sort of comes back behind the ball a little bit um, to yeah. to outnumber the um, obviously the opposition as well. So yeah. um, one of them, are... he does everything, doesn't he? He does yeah. everything. He even gets down the other end. And, and kicks goals, and he has those magic fingers that, and, and magic hair, as well that, um, yeah. that touch the ball. <laughs> yeah, but even Nick um, Newman, what a young. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say any any other other metering, obviously, but any any surprises here in terms of top ten for me, it was probably probably Gov to be honest. I, I I know he was important and he had a big year, but I didn't expect a top ten finish, and I think on reflection, probably well deserved. To be fair. Um, he was the one that really stood out to me, and it's a credit to him considering how much of a whipping boy he's been over the years for a few supporters as well. Um, to get his body right and play majority of games this year and be really, really important in that back half. I think Gov, yeah, he was he was a surprise, and and Acres not not that he was a surprise, but how good is it to see a future third round pick is what we gave up for and finish 
sixth in his first year at the club and be so pivotal, you know, to in, in so many games and in so many moments. It's just I can't remember a player that's come in and had that sort of impact for a long, long time, long time. I've, I found it amazing that Frio sort of just dismissed him. Um, and he actually had a pretty good year last year. And didn't he have a good final series last year? Yeah, for he was them? probably their best player, I would say. I, I, he was. I was gobsmacked. And look, I know the knock on him was his disposal, by, particularly by foot. But um, and we might have seen a little bit of that with him early on in the year. But towards you know, again, like the rest of the team, once they got the belief and confidence up, he absolutely shone. So I think it was a terrific pickup. Really was. Again, you know, our recruitment of what what we need. When they went out, searched it, um, found it, got what we need, and um, I think it was a, you know a brilliant a stroke of genius from from Austin and coaches and whoever was behind it all. So yeah, oh, yeah, um, Cripps and Chera. It doesn't it go to show you um, how umpires see things just that little bit differently. Um, so Cripps got I think twenty two votes in the Brownlow. I think Chera only got about seven or nine or something rather, and mm. yet Chera beat him in the. Because you can sort of like compare apples to apples there, just um, because they're obviously both midfielders. How mm. Chera beat me now, best and fairest. So it's just uh, it's just interesting how things how people see things differently. Mm. Yeah, or what their value, I guess. Mm. You know, so yeah, I mean Chera had had an unbelievable year. Like I know, for example, Acres probably had a slow start. Um, like probably the predominantly the, most of the team, but Chera had an unbelievable year. Um, obviously settled. I think towards the back half of. 2022 to be fair the last two three games i think he was averaging probably 27 28 touches and kicked a goal so i think in the column game i think he kicked a couple actually um in the last round of that season as well so i feel like as if he was coming on um and we'll prop personally i was probably expecting him to have a big year um i think the injuries um but particularly the the injury that he where he missed four or five games in the back half of the year um that probably sort of um derailed him a little bit to be honest with you in terms of obviously finishing higher and potentially winning yeah no no definitely he um got you know it was a hamstring and there might have been something earlier in the year but uh yeah if he's missed five or six games or four or five uh it probably has cost him um the medal but his time will come as well um he's a quality mm. player again another mm. another player that austin went and you know we, obviously, our midfield, we went and got Hewitt and Chera. Uh, without those two boys, um, gee, where where would we be, I wonder? Like, uh, been I mean, consider, especially considering that we haven't had anyone really develop in the last two years underneath mm. them to really come through and, and burst through and knock on the door. Oh, that's a good point. You're right. Joe. It's a really good You're point, right. actually. We'll talk about that later when we look at our list and what we need, but that's a really good point, I reckon. Um yeah, really good point. Like, we got rid of Petrescu Seaton. Well, he's certainly not a midfielder. Looks like Fisher's going to go. He's not a midfielder. Paddy Dow's had, you know, his ups and downs and not sure he's an absolute bona fide midfielder at AFL level. Um, that That's, you know, argue, you, know you could debate that. Um, Carroll seems to be taking his time. Binns is just really young. Hollands is a winger. So really, I mean, we are quite bereft in that. Oh, Kennedy's in and out of the team and always injured. He's had his fair share of injuries the last probably well, year and a half. Um, so that midfield to go and get Chera and Hewitt, um, 
is again it's it's a feather in their cap to to, to choose those type of players and we might mm. be looking at another one this year yeah and it's going to be interesting to see to see what austin does over which we'll get to there's there was a few quotes today from an interview that he had but we'll get to that towards the back end of the show um but yeah that's the bnf and and not to not to discredit any other winner of a bnf in recent times but this is this is uh by far the best finish we've had for 25 years so um for weeders to win it in in this sort of a year and for anyone to make that top 10 this year it speaks volumes about uh, so many stories that are in that top 10. Like I said, McGovern, whipping boy, now 10th in a BNF in a prelim year, and so important. Akers coming in um, and having the impact that he did. Weed has been able to turn around Cripper against all sorts of adversity as a captain throughout the year. There's there's just so many stories in there in that top 10 in in what was our biggest year for a very, very long time that, you know, these the, those boys there, they can look at that quite proudly and say, you know, I, I gave it all, gave them all in, and, and really, really contributed to, to the results that we saw. Yeah, I think what yeah. was significant here is we, we got a really good con- contribution from quite a few players, whereas last year, um, yeah, we just fell short of making the eight, but you'd have to agree that, like, one man had an outstanding year last year and won a Brownlow, so he certainly carried the load. Um, and when you talk about the BNF night, he walked away with oh, about four or five trophies last year uh, on mm. BNF night, whereas this year yeah. it was shared down more, you know, significantly. Like quite a few players won an award last night, even from the catering groups and all the rest of it. Um, you know, it got shared around a fair bit. I know Charlie got a few, but um, it was shared around. And again, that, that's what you want, don't you? You want you want that responsibility shared by the whole group of 25 or 30 or whoever many play. Um, and it was nice to see that it got back to the days where, um, well, I was growing up that, you know, you succeed by having many, many contributors, not, you know, mm. two or three. Yeah, I agree, no, Baz. And yeah, you could see it. You could see it the way they were celebrating when different people were winning the different mm. awards over the course of the night. And um, you could just see it in their emotion that they genuinely loved um, seeing others win. But I've got a question for you. And this is from Joe's previous question in relation to um, weirdering winning, obviously coming off the back of us, um, you know, reaching a prelim. Who do we think wins it in a grand final year from this list currently? Mm, it's a good question. Because that, that obviously the achievement in itself, like winning a BNF in the well, Premiership year, like everyone says that's the, not the be all and end all, but, um, you know, that's arguably, you know, as, as an individual honour. Um, is pretty special. For, for me, for, it, it's a good question. But And for me, if I reflect on what didn't get us there this year, I look at one player that just didn't fire, unfortunately, in that three weeks, that if he did, we would have smoked everyone. And not, not that he was the worst uh, player throughout the final series, but if Charlie Curnow kicked 15 goals rather than three, I think he's standing up there as a BNF winner at the end of this year. And I think we've got a, a cup in our end. So for me, it's probably Charlie. Like the, the, That's the player that's going to break open a final series for us and, and get us to the cup. Because if he kicks 15 goals, good luck stopping us. You know, the fact that they kept him to three with minimal minimal sort of impact on the scoreboard, um, it, it obviously went a long way to us maybe not taking that final step. 
No, that's a, that's a fair call, and I wouldn't argue against that. I would probably throw another name up that I reckon if he plays, you know, every game, um, and the way he played in the finals, I'd say, and I think he's built for finals. Is Sam Walsh? Yeah, yeah. he would oh, be probably my fit. Yeah, for me, that's probably another one. I reckon. Yeah, I but I, I like the Charlie. I like the Charlie. Um, Throw out is yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. pivotal light forward. Um, Walsh is pivotal in the mid in the middle, and and down back, the, the, the fellow who won this year, Weedering, is, is extreme. Like, they're, they're your three, I guess, across the park. Um, that I could think of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lucky we haven't yeah, for another seven, eight plus years. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Like at a minute. It is crazy to think. It's crazy to think how young some of these blokes still are and how much time they've still got on their side. So it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. And it's a, it's an exciting time to be part of this football club. Uh, we're going to move – we'll move into your sort of season overview, Baz. And um, we've spoken about it a little bit to this point, but want to get your thoughts on how the season played out and some insight into how you rode the roller coaster like the rest of us did. But – to to come into this, there were a few quotes last night from Sayers and Voss in their speech that I want to read out. This is from uh, Up the Baggers on Twitter, who does a fantastic job uh, transcribing all this sort of stuff. But Luke Sayers in his speech, there was a there was a line here that I really liked, where he said, uh, "We've emerged as a mature football club, a resilient football club, a hungry football club. We know who we are." And then to add to that, Vossy um, had a line here. Uh, that said the true success of our season may be in what we became rather than what we achieved. And I think that was quite poignant for me was we didn't win the flag. We didn't get to where we wanted to get to, but I think the ultimate success that we had was truly, truly finding our identity again as a football club. And I think now, you know, coming out of last year, and I'll set this up for you, Baz, to, to start from there, but coming out around 23, I had some doubts on how they'd respond this year. And I think a lot of people did. And I feel like even at games earlier this year in the first half of the year, there was this apprehension from the crowd to even get involved. And we were, we were sort of, it was really tense. And you could see that they were tense. And you could see that there was something lingering, that there was just a bad smell and obviously leading to a pretty poor start. Um, did you read much into that earlier in the year in terms of how he finished last year? Um, and maybe those demons were, were probably too too much to overcome? Um, well, we had a, a, a titanic tussle round one and we had a draw against Richmond, which is no mean fit feat at that, that stage of the game. You're thinking that Richmond might, might be a top eight side. Uh, well, they didn't make it this year, so that draw probably wasn't as good as it probably looked at the time. Um, but then we knock off Geelong round two and everyone was pretty cock-a-hoop, you know. We just knocked off the premiers from the year before. And then we, we all know that Geelong weren't, you know, fully wound up and were a little bit behind the eight ball, but it was a fair win. So whether they got complacent and just thought, you know, we've just knocked off the premiers, how good are we? I don't know if a little bit of that, because I, I strip it right back, right back. And then the next two wins, we had two more wins after that, and it was a, a woeful game of football against Gold Coast, I think it was, or no, GWS. GWS. Yeah. I think we 920 to 910 or something like that. We won by 10 points. It was because we kicked 10 extra behinds. And it was a mm. woeful game of football. I'm not sure. I don't I don't think I'll ever watch that again. I'm pretty sure I haven't. And then we played North Melbourne and we had them on toast. Like we were going to win by eight to ten goals, running away. 
they actually kicked the last four goals of that game. And I remember sort of saying to myself, I didn't like it. At the time, I actually didn't like it. It was, again, a little bit of complacency, perhaps, had set in. I'm not sure exactly why. But it, it we only come away with about a four-goal win or something like that against them. And, and really, it should have been a 10-goal win. Well, I think the following week, we lost. And that really set in after that. I think I think we only won one game, and that was against West Coast. And um, that up until the Essendon game, I think the West Coast we, we only beat West Coast. Well, did we beat someone else along the no, way? No, that was it. No, it was West Coast. No, no, no. That was it. yeah, gee whiz, you know, you get to Essendon, and I can't remember if we're three and a half or four and a half wins come to Essendon, and you talk about. Joe, I, I think it was a really good segue saying that, you know, what we became. Well, at that stage, what do you reckon we were? Nothing. We were nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, I remember conversations we were having, and they were pretty – they weren't conversations we'd like to repeat on air, but let me say <laughs> that really I would well, – well, you know, you call a spade a spade at the time, don't you? And, you know, you don't, don't mean to be rude, but, gee whiz, after that Essendon game, I think – I was at my wit's end. I actually was looking for answers, couldn't find any. I mean, obviously can't find any. You just don't know what's going on. Um, then, of course, you know, the coach comes under a little bit of fire. There was talk of a little bit of player angst amongst each other. You just hear this shit, right? This is what happens, right, when you're not going well. And then, thankfully, the week after, um, well, th that first quarter against the Gold Coast was it, what, if you go back and watch that, that wasn't a good quarter either. But then the second quarter, we nine unanswered goals. And from there on in, the rest of the year was... Oh, I've been watching footy for a long time, long time. And I, I, I'd, I'd have to go back to 95 to recall the back half of a year as dominant as we were. And I think we beat four or five sides by about 50 points plus. And I think Joe... Five in a row. Up, five in a row. And Never been done before. Nah, was, it wasn't five. It was. I think it was. I think it was three. It wasn't it was five. five. It was Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Freo, Port. Oh shit! Then we yeah, West Coast. You're right. It was five. Fuck. It was five in a row. It's a good run. It's Never been done before. I don't think. Or yeah, you're right. You're right. Was, it's been like no, no, no. You're, you're right. And, and you yeah. know what? And the really good part about that last part of the year, the last uh, twelve games, was that. We actually didn't have our full complement playing every single week. There was weeks that, you know, Walsh wasn't there or um, uh, Kennedy wasn't there or uh, Harry Mackay wasn't there. I mean, I, I think we beat uh, Port Adelaide. Um, Jack Silvani wasn't there. There were, there were times we were beating, I think Colin, when we beat Colin with Port Adelaide and Melbourne, I think we were reasonably depleted in the midfield, I think. No, we were. From mem we were. So, we didn't have – there was no, no Walsh. Chera came off at halftime after he'd had 20-something disposals in the first half. Um, I think we had one more missing as well. One – well, Harry Harry didn't play that game either. Harry was no. out at that point. So, yeah, we, we were depleted. I, I, honestly, I, I look at it and think um, I'm, I'm pretty – proud of the boys' performances and the coaches' performances. They sort of they get a little bit lost in all this, don't they? The coaches don't get a lot, a lot of praise, but, um, you know, it takes the whole incumbent to, to get something going 
in a footy club. It's not just the players. Of course, they go out there and do it, but it's driven by coaches and, and, and whoever else is in the hierarchy at that footy club. So um, overall, you know, i extremely proud. What would I rate it out of 10? Um, it's a difficult one because you can't forget the first 12 weeks. So maybe, a, I don't know, look, in, in your first year making finals, how often do clubs get to a prelim? Yeah, not many. Not many. No, and, and, and it's not just this is the thing, it's not it's not like we only had a handful of players that had never played finals. We had ninety percent of the players out there that had never ever played in a final series before in their life. So I, I, I can't remember I can't remember a team that has done that. And from outside the four as well. Yeah. So if I if you rate it if you rate the year out of ten, you could say I could give them an eight, and people might say that's a little bit generous, but I could give them a harsh seven and a half. And maybe the harsh seven and a half, I don't know whether it's somewhere in between a seven and a half and an eight, I would have thought, I think. Uh, when you're finishing, we actually finished third. We have actually finished yeah. third officially. Yeah. There so, we have. Yeah. yeah. Gee whiz. That's, you know, and we went within 16 points of beating Brisbane in Brisbane. Um, you know, we knocked off the Premiers this year, um, knocked off Melbourne twice, Port Adelaide once. But next year's draw might be a little bit more difficult for us, I suspect. Mm. Not sure, but, but we did play – well, we ended up playing Melbourne three times this year because we played once in yeah, the finals. Did. Is that right? Collingwood twice. But, Collingwood twice as well. Brisbane twice. Three times, actually. Oh, twice, sorry. Yep. No, no, yeah. So it was, it, was, it was relatively difficult. It, it ended up relatively difficult in the end, yeah. Did yeah. we play I – mean, uh, well, we ended up playing Brisbane twice. St Kilda twice, they finished in the top six. So GWS. we actually played top sides twice. I mean, we're not, we're not, you know, but I mean, next year, you know, I'm. Let, let's put it this way. I'm not going into any game next year not thinking that we can't win. Yeah. No, none of them. None of them. None of them. No, one, no, one, no one would scare our boys right now. But that doesn't mean anything. You're still going to get the job done. Yeah, I think um, the the thing for me is under Vossi's tenure, the only team we haven't beat is Brisbane. Mm. Yeah, and to come to mind, we've played them um, in 2022. We played them at the Gabba late on in the year. Mm. That's when Chris bump, and then this year, obviously in the prelim at the Gabba, um, and then we played them. Um, when was it? It was earlier on in the season as well. And that would have Marvel. been that was at Marvel. So, you know, arguably two out of those three games, obviously very highly difficult games at the Gabba, and we've only played them at Marvel um, once. Um, so, yeah, I think we can beat anyone for sure. I think we could have beat anyone this year. The only difficult game is, and I said it only a few weeks ago, the Lions game at the Gabba is the hardest game in footy at the moment. Mm. It's funny. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite funny because... You look at the side of the draw that GWS ended up on. They finished seventh. We would have almost preferred to finish on their side of the draw because they had St. Kilda at the G, who we would have absolutely pantsed. Port Adelaide, who were just completely spent at that point. And then you come back to the G for a prelim against the Pies and, you know, say what you want. I know they won it. 
But I think we genuinely had him on toast if we play him in a prelim down here with the way that we were traveling at that point. I think that, that game that Gabba just derailed us. It's it's really hard. And, you know, Baz, we, we were all there. We saw you there and we all, we all went. But that first quarter, we were dreaming. We were genuinely oh. daring to dream at that point. Every single one of us just thought, "This is it. We're 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 gonna we're gonna win the whole thing." Me and you shared a little. Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah, you and did. I shared a little little look after yeah. I think Charlie put through the fourth or whatever it was. But it was oh. that was if that's at the G, we're not losing that game at that point. Like, no. You just I can't see us no, losing that game. No, I'd have to agree. I think it was scintillating stuff, and it certainly got the the fifteen thousand Carlton members or supporters that went up there. They were up and about, and it certainly didn't feel like a, an away game, that's for sure. Um, and I think something that people probably, I don't know whether they realise or not, we actually outscored them on the scoreboard in two of those quarters, in the first and the last. They won the second and third. We won the first and the last. So, And I know we lost by 16 points, but we actually outscored them in the last quarter. So it's no mean feat to, to outscore them in their own dunghole up there. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we don't get them at the at the uh, MCG. But, you know, that's not an excuse. I mean, we've got to beat them at Marvel. We've got to beat them up there, you know. To be the best, you've got to beat, beat the best wherever you've got to play them. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly not asking for a change of fixture at the MCG. Um, you know, got to get them and, you, and you've got to hang in there tough with them. And, then you know, that's probably something that... Look, we went in half-time in that prelim um, behind on the scoreboard. And at that stage, I was I was concerned, you know, to give away that four or five goal margin uh, so quickly, and then go in at half time. I think we were three points or a goal behind, whatever we were. Um, I think the writing was on the wall, um, and mm. then and then they well, I think Cripps gave away that fifty straight away in that third quarter, like straight away, and that was just a bit of a bit of a brain fade there to, to give him that ascendancy, like straight away a two-goal lead. And then, you know, it, it was – we're up against it from there on in. But the boys hung in tough. They hung in tough. And and I think, you know, they can derive a lot out of it, um, a lot out of it, actually. Um, experience is one thing. Uh, I think we just have to keep playing finals. Obviously, you want to finish in the top four. That's the aim. Yeah. That is the aim, top four. There's no doubt about that. Top two would be awesome because you guaranteed yourself two home finals if you're top two but you know just keep playing finals sustain success whatever that looks like it's got to be playing finals fellas it's it, mm. we just not miss the the finals with this current crop and whoever else is going to come mm. jules you made it you you brought up a good point and it's something we've i think we've done well on this podcast this year i hope we have but you know, I just I always reflect back on that Essendon game, and it was just someone made a really good point here. It was like our line in the sand moment, which Hawthorne had against Essendon a few years back, and they lost that game as well. But turned it around from that point, and we we lost that game, and that was that was ultimately the turning point for us. But I just remember walking out that day, like you, you couldn't, you could not pinpoint one area of the football club that wasn't to blame. Like we did, the, I remember the podcast that we did, the review of that game, and all three of us had different opinions. It was players, it was board, it was coaches, it was it, like the whole thing was just under question, and there was nothing. And then to, you know, you talk about what, what do you rate it out of ten? To see from that point onwards that we win eleven of the next thirteen and look like a completely different side, 
for me, it's it's an eight or a nine because there's no there's there is no conceivable uh, future walking out of the MCG at round thirteen after that Essendon loss that I could have seen us making a prelim. No way. Yeah, it's let alone it's, final. It's let alone final. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you have to go back and think like how the club would have handled the situation that we're in eighteen to two months. Sorry, eighteen months to two years ago. Um, and I'm telling you now, it would have been totally different. That's for sure. Mm. But you know, you get to you get a sense of how stable a cl- club is when you go through this kind of situation. And boy, did we, you know, did we go out the storm, you know, through the storm in a different way? That's for sure. We learn a lot, yeah. um, and we stick yeah. together, and um, we went through it, and we got through it. That's for sure. I had a, a very um, uh, frank discussion with the president and. Diesel Williams, who is now, I think he's our director of football, I think he is, um, just having a coffee. Yep. They basically asked me what I thought of the year and, and, and I told I told them exactly what I thought after the Essendon game. And Diesel asked me a really good question. He said, so who did you blame at that stage? And I said, the bloke on my left, which was the president, and everybody down. And he said, good. Good. So he goes, you basically, it was a whole, I said, well, when you're going bad, it's everyone. You can't just, you can't just finger point. And when you're going good, it's because of everyone. And isn't their slogan now stronger together? Yeah. Stronger together, you know, when, and you can't just single out people when you're not going so well. So it works both ways. Um, mm. You can't have your cake and eat it too, but I just looked at it and thought, well, you know, and he said, well, fair point, you know. He goes, because he probably thought I was going to mention individuals, probably players, maybe coaches, but I didn't. I just, at the time, I was filthy on the club, absolutely filthy, that we got ourselves into this situation where I honestly didn't think, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think we would get ourselves out this year. And I, know I was looking at... Oh man, I was looking at wholesale changes at the end of the year once again, but they, but you know, they stuck fat, which is great. And now we don't want to go back to, we just don't want to go back to those days, you know. And, no. and you just, you just, it's onwards and upwards, simple as that. Yeah. It's all in front of them. As Bossy said again last night, we're done with hurting as a football club. There's no no need to hurt anymore. We need to we need to move on from that sort of shit. And you know, you said everyone. It was the fans as well. You know, we we were at a complete divide across every single layer, and even within the fan base, there was just such a divide amongst every single one of us that it it was ugly. Yep. And I, I I'm with you, Baz. I never ever ever want to want to feel that way again as a supporter of this football club because that was that hurt. That really really hurt at that time. It really did. But anyway, it was a it was a good season in the end. It was fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Bring on number seven. Um, let's talk. Uh, yeah, that's it. Let's let's hope 2024 brings us number 17. Um, speaking of 2024, we're in we're in the off season now. Uh, usually, the off season is a time that we're part of the circus in a big way, but it was relatively tame by our standards uh, at this time. Um, we had a little chat off air prior to the show, just around some needs and whatnot. Jules, um, actually, let's let's start with uh, let's start with Down Fisher. So they're they're obviously the two that have requested a trade. That we'll that we'll probably look to deal first. Fair value for each. How do you say, it, Jules? I think it's going to be interesting. Um, 
you know, Fisher's what what did he go at? Like 29, 30, um, probably six, seven, eight years ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, but it hasn't lived up to those probably expectations, but um for the pick that he was worth. But in saying that, he's got two years left on his contract. So um it's a bit of a tricky situation. But arguably I would say anywhere between 25 and 40, I would say 25 and 35, um, arguably. And I don't know um, whether the North have a pick there that they're willing to sort of dish off. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting with him. Um, that's for sure. That's for sure. They've got, got 31, which I'm sure Austin will be eyeing that off. Or, or if North don't want to move this year, he may well be looking at a future second rounder next year of theirs, which, again, if they're, a, if they're to be a bottom four side, you would expect their future second to be around about uh, 22 to 25, something like that, which would be... Uh, look, uh, you're right in some ways, Jules, saying that he hasn't lived up to expectations, but... At pick twenty-seven, second rounder when he came in, what expectations do we have on a on a player at pick twenty-seven? Um, and, and and he has played over a hundred games of football um, in seven years, so he's probably averaging about fifteen games of footy a year, which isn't hopeless. But I know a lot of people would be saying, "Yeah, but he got gifted plenty of early games because." Um, we were gifting a lot of games, actually, to a lot of youngsters back then um, who probably hadn't earned their stripes, but through necessity, we played them. My my thinking with Fisher is, it, where's his best position? Like, he's not really a small goal-kicking forward or a pressure forward. I don't think he's a bona fide midfielder who runs both ways and contested and that sort of a player. Um, down back, yep, we used him down back a little bit when McGovern was out and a couple others were out, uh, but we used him as a spare behind the ball. So he wasn't really a defensive defensive defender. He was more a, uh, what would you call it, like a liberal who plays just sort of free of a player and mops yeah. up, a distributor, yeah. so to speak. So, you know, of what value is that type of player to us when we've got the likes of Saad or Doherty or McGovern and Marchbank and a whole host of players in that area? And, and well, we've got about 14 or 15 defenders on our list. Where else would you want him playing at Carlton? So I can see why yeah, he's got two years to go. I don't think they're hell-bent on keeping him just quietly. Yes. Otherwise, you know, otherwise they would have had discussions and maybe given him an extra year. So. I think they see that it's time. It's time. They've seen, and, and this year, he had dropped off the perch a little bit, I think. Didn't play any finals games. So what's his value, though, Jules? And, and Joe, that's a very good question, really. I mean, I, I'm i like you, Jules. I thought somewhere between 25 and 40. We got off at 42. If it was me, I probably would have blinked and said, yep, we'll take that. Austin's digging his heels in and trying to prize something else out. So. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I think they might throw. Think, they might give forty-two, and and a and a third rounder. Yeah, a future could be third. something like that. Yeah. Something like that. You never know. So I think this one will be tied quite closely to the Elijah Hollands deal. To be fair, which is probably why 
Um, Austin didn't blink at 42. I don't think 42 gets Elijah Hollands done. I think something in the 30s probably does. So that 31 is probably what he's eyeing off. Um, but it could be 31 and we give Fisher and 64 or something, or we maybe Come restructure six, yeah. those late yeah. picks to get into the third round or something. We'll give that. Who knows? It, it'll be something like that. Um, and I think that. Yeah, it'll, de- it'll definitely get done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I tend to yeah, agree. The other one will get done too. I'm sure the Dow one will get done too. But unfortunately, that one there is, you know, you'd have to say it's <laughs> it's ironic that the <laughs> it's ironic that the recruiter who picked him up at three or four mm. now offering us a third or fourth rounder future. Um, it's quite ironic, actually. It, it's very funny, and he did this with obviously when he was. I saw, I saw a, I saw a list today of the players that he recruited from GWS when he came across to us, and uh, I think only Zach Williams and Caleb Marchbank. They're the only two that are left of the nine, uh, ten. What about Kennedy? Oh, Kennedy as well. Sorry, yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, so uh, those three are uh, the uh, the only three that are left because Plowman he's, he's retired now. Yep. And the rest were Mark Wiley and Christian Jackson, yeah, all those types that are just yeah. no longer no longer even playing footy. So three out of ten, not a great strike rate. And now he's trying to do something similar at St Kilda, prying away from the Blues. So I mean, good luck to him. But um, yeah. it is quite interesting to see that. Well, he's uh, another one. You know, people are are concerned because of you know of him leaving. I'm certainly not concerned. You know, with Carlton. Really, only offered him one one season. Let's be honest, and that's what the contract is one year. We're not exactly looking at him as long term. Now he was basically played a lot, a lot of VFL football over the past two years. Yeah, uh, his ace is uh, clearances, bursts from clearances, but he's not the best of kicks, and he certainly he's running both ways at AFL level is a little bit dubious. Um, so him going to St Kilda probably suits because I reckon they could mask his deficiencies in mm. in their system, in the way they play. For sure. Uh, so I think they can probably mask his deficiencies and Ross and, and Silvani are probably looking at him saying, well, we're looking at what he can do and what not what he can't do. Um, but that's uh, I think that's a level that we've gone past, I think, at Carlton. Um, so if we were to pick up an Elijah, uh, Elijah Hollands, from what I'm being told, he's got a lot of upside. He's only 21, um, was a, well, touted as a pick one, slipped down to seven. Um, and he's actually, if you look at his size, he's 189 and 86 kilos. That's a, that's a fairly big boy. Like, you know, if, if you put him up against Dow in terms of size, I think Dow is 184 and 82. He's at 189 86. So, and, and, and he does run both ways. And he's got a bit of speed. And I was talking to someone who plays BFL footy today and said, if you picked up him, he'd be a good acquisition. And, and probably go. better than Dow, So Yeah. I think it's interesting with the Dow one too because – Arguably, he was the number one midfielder in our VFL, and Carroll um, and Binzi and the like were probably behind him in a way and probably preventing even a shot at getting in the ones as well. So arguably, it could be a thing of you know releasing Dow, get something back for him to get Elijah Holland, so maybe utilising him in a different way as well. And then the likes of Carroll and Binz can get more of an opportunity as well. So 
um, mm. obviously if they live up to it as well. So I think it's a yeah, I think it's going to be a done deal for sure. Yeah, I think Carol's got a big year coming up next year. Oh, I think you need. I think that boy needs to show something. And you know, I'm not here to you know mince my words, but I've watched a bit of him. And uh, early on, I thought, yep, he should make it. Now I just have a, a small doubt. Um, but he needs to put his best foot forward next year, I would think. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure how old he is. Uh, no, he'd be 21 now, wouldn't he? 22. Yeah, yeah I can 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. Need, yeah. Step up, uh, and Bins has got you know plenty of time. I mean, he I think he made the VFL, yeah, uh, the, the, the team of the year, the team of the year. Um, again, the knock on him is his disposal, but he's been working very, very hard at it, and um, there's not much of him. There's not much of mm, him. Uh, very slight. Yeah, very slight. Needs to put a little bit of bulk on, but um, they're probably really the only two that come to mind as midfielders unless unless they can work Motlop and, and Corey Durden into that midfield. Durden, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I feel like the the way you just spoke about Jack Carroll is the way I'm feeling about Corey Durden next year. I think with Martin Cunningham, Owies, Motlop well and truly ahead and Fogarty well and truly ahead of him. Durden's he's he's got a massive, massive uphill task for himself next year, I think. And if he can't Add a layer into his game outside of some pressure up forward, and and hopefully he hopefully he can turn himself into a little bit of a pinch hit midfielder. I think I think he's going to struggle. I honestly think he's going to struggle. Which, you know, we've said that about a few players now, Cunningham and and whatnot, and they proved us wrong. So I hope Dirds proves me wrong in saying that. But I, I just look at the pecking order, and I don't see where he fits at the moment. I just don't. Well, I I like a player you just mentioned, um, as in um, Cunningham, who why why. Do you guys think he doesn't get enough? Well, I could be wrong here, but does he get enough midfield time, in your opinions? For me, no. For me, no. Oh. I reckon before his injuries, he, I remember the, I think his last game was against Melbourne, and I think he had like 30 or kicked a couple. So, yeah. That was the game he did his knee, and it was the game prior, Essendon game. He had 20-something and kicked two. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So is it so do you think it's purely because of his injuries um that we've taken along we've taken along so um slowly that we're I mean I don't what where where do like what what's his position? Like what is it? What, how do they utilize him? Is he a spare up around the ball or he certainly doesn't get the ball enough for my liking, but um you know, if you're gonna lose Dow, like Cunningham can play that burst from clearance, can he not? Can he? Yeah, I think he's that seventh midfielder for sure that comes yeah. in. Or that fifth midfielder that comes in, sorry. Um he was he forward. was playing that he was playing that half half high half forward role brilliantly with Martin and Fogg when the three of them came in from that Gold Coast game onwards. I think um there's a YouTube channel, there's a there's a guy called Saba the Saba show, which Jules and I have watched throughout the year. He, he did some really good analysis around those three um, after the Port Adelaide game, I believe, potentially. But it, I think that high half forward role is where we want to utilize him. And he could potentially turn himself into that burst stoppage player. Um, but I think he was effective in that high half forward role. Um, once he did come in, he was hitting the scoreboard. Yeah. He was having seven, eight score involvements a game off 15 touches, whatever it was. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, he obviously didn't have a, 
uh, there was quite a few players on the list that didn't have proper pre-seasons. Yeah. Um, so a proper pre-season injury-free, I'd certainly like to see what he could offer. Oh, for sure. For sure. And th- th- that goes to say for uh, Durden, it goes to say for a lot of them, Martin, Marchbank, you know, there's so many of them that haven't had a, a full preseason for a long time. And hopefully they get that chance this year because I think if they do, all these players that we've had doubts about that started to show that little bit of spark in the second half of this year, I think they're going to go bang next year. I mean, I, I honestly think that that natural development is just going to come through. It's just health. It's health of the list. It's taken us far too long to get this list healthy. And now that we're in a really good spot going into this preseason, I'll just touch wood, fingers crossed, that that they stay healthy and they all get some really, really good legs under them going into round one. And if they do, who knows? Sky's the limit. Bit of a shock today, boys, with um, Schultz from Frio nominating Collingwood. Yeah, shock. Just for me, it was uh, it was shock due to the the amount of players that they do have running through there. Even last year, Bobby Hill going to them, um, knowing that you know the year prior they were sort of known for that pressure forward and that quick movement. So very, very shocked, and one that I think we should be looking after or looking at. So. I don't know, I just got some stats here, and he's kicked 33 goals for the year. Um, he's elite, he's elite in tackling um, and above average in pretty much every single facet, uh, particularly as a small forward as well. So um, 25 years of age, and I think he's played probably, you know, roughly around 20 games for the last four or five years as well. So um, he's a seasoned professional, that's for sure. Is he a free agent or restricted? No, he's contracted for a year. Oh, he's contracted. Mm. So how, yeah. how would get this deal done? What, what, what do you th- – again, we're not here to speak about them, but just because he's a player of interest that you would think that um, – I mean, if I'm looking at what we need, I don't think we need any more backmen. Um, and I certainly don't think we need any more sort of uh, tall No, that's forwards. the player we need. No, no, that's, that, that, is, that is genuinely that's the player the, we need. Player, yeah. I mean, people probably say, no, no, we've got Durden, Motlop, and Owies, but this, this bloke's stats he just read out there, uh, Jules, it. I don't think we have a player that's got that sort of a stat. Well, this yeah, is the well, thing. Not like, that level and the amount of games in a year. Hmm. Consistency. And you, say, and you say as well, Baz, that uh, we've got Durden and the like. We, we were saying that about Acres last year with wingers like Cottrell and... Doherty and and we were trying to put together this ragtag wing team that mm. just wasn't going to work. And you could see the impact that Akers has, right? So you bring in Schultz and he starts to push players like Motlop and Durden and always to keep their spot and develop and, and whatnot. I just so think I, I just think the point is what what would you need to um trade like what what would Colin what a player like that, sorry, what, what is he a, is he a like first round draft pick type? That- I think because he's, I think because he's contracted, yeah. I think I think because Freo can hold him to his deal, it, it's probably going to take a little bit more than what you'd probably like to pay if if he was coming out of contract. Um, I think end of first round, early second, which we just don't have, unfortunately. And I, I don't I don't see how we're going to get there. Um, well, we've got, but well, well, we've got sixteen. We've got sixteen, correct? So it just depends whether or not we want to take that to the draft, which it does oh, sound well, like we want to. He's certainly not coming to Carlton, but. It's just interesting, isn't it, that a player... Well, you say, Baz, you say, you say he's not coming, but the reason that he's requested a trade is just because he wants to get back to Victoria. So 
it, yeah. it sounds I, as though this, Collingwood are, are potentially the only one that have shown any interest in trying to get him across at this point. Yeah. You say that, Joe, but I think as well, um, I was watching another podcast today, um, which Shules was on because I was intrigued to see what was what was the go. And um, I think there might be a little bit of um, bad blood with him and Frio, to be honest with you, because of the way he's been treated in regards to his, um, okay, his contracts. Lost, his contracts. lost some players over the last few years. Yeah. So, look, because I think the Akers went. Um, what was it? Was it Loeb went? Did he go somewhere? Loeb went, yep. To yeah, North they're going to lose. Um, they're going to lose Liam Henry as well to Saints. Like, they're, yeah, they're, 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 that's an exit, mass something, exodus. Something's, yeah, not, something's, something's not, not right. right. They made finals last year and missed this year. And I don't know where they're heading that and that mob. I've got no idea, not, not, nor do I care. But it's just an interesting one that like, players are wanting to exit out of Frio. Um, but certainly, you know. You're right. If we had better, if we had an array of picks, I think someone like him might have been an interesting uh, look. Yeah, I still think it could potentially be done. Um, sort of, probably, sort of have to back ourselves in in terms of trying to get some picks from the 2020. Sorry, obviously, following next year in the 2025 draft to bring him in for 2024. To be able to get the likes of the Camperali brothers, if you want to sort I mean, of look, back what, up in, what we could do, if we're talking a scenario where we try and land Lockie Schultz, the one for me is you trade Fisher and Dow for future picks, right? So you, you get your future picks, so you've got points for the Camperali twins. You um, you try and package up those late picks that we've got this year uh, to get into the third round, and try and maybe try and get involved with the deal with Gold Coast to to get Elijah Hollands across, and then you trade. 16 and a future first for uh, a for a first this year and a second uh, and you on trade one of those for, for Schultz if that's what you want to do and you and you let your future first go next year you try and trade back in to get points again next year and you worry about it then so that you've still got points of the Camper Alley twins it would be very very complex for us to to get this done at this point and it's 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 complex because of the um, commitment that we're going to make to to those twins next year, unfortunately. So it is what it is. It's 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 just oh, shit timing for us. Got to say, hey, it was a little bit out of the blue, like Schultz uh, mm. to nominate Collingwood only because of what we think Collingwood has up forward. The strange, like he's nominated them. Um, will he get there? I, I assume he'll get there. Yeah. Well, I, hey, it. it it could become more interesting. It may mean that one of those pies forwards is on the outer. You never know. Someone like a Ginevan might have fallen out of favour um, with you, the coaching. I'd like be well and truly. Uh, oh, yeah, isn't that isn't that an interesting one? So he gets the call up to play in a grand final, which is you know massive. Decides to go to the races Friday night. Which you know that's that's you know it is what it is, but then plays woefully. Like I didn't even notice. I, I didn't even notice him on the day, and gets a medal. But then sort of get he's he's one of those he gets on on the socials, doesn't he? And sort of gloats and doesn't care and says whatever Very he's on. His... And he had a little bit him and I think another Collingwood player had a bit of a dodgy thing with something a little while ago. I uh, can't quite remember what it was, but th- th- there was something dodgy about them. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, yeah. Uh, illegal substances. Yeah, or oh, whatever it was. Or they disrespected 
a woman or something. Like that. Oh, okay. oh, that as well. Oh, yeah, that as well. Yeah, 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 that's that's yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now but, he's got yeah. a um a sponsorship with the races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the ambassador for yeah. me, Valley. Yeah. I'm like, seriously? Anyway, um, just getting off topic there a little bit, but oh, I would say he would certainly be one that you might find his name. I don't even know if he's contracted. I've got no idea. Mm. Yeah. A lot of those, I mean, a lot of good I, I clubs wouldn't take him, by have the way. those types. I, I wouldn't be taking him. No. Yeah. Not the player we need. He's not. He's not a. High, he's not a high half forward. He's. He's. We've got enough of his type, small forward type, Oes and Mot, Motlop and whatnot. I don't think he can break open a game. Schultz is the one that could break open a game for you, for me. Right. Yeah. Well, he. I didn't realize his. Um, his I didn't realize his, um, stats, but Jules, when you read them out, I was. They're pretty yeah. impressive. Hard to find a small forward kicking thirty plus mm. on a consistent basis year in year out and playing twenty odd games. So obviously, he's very durable as well, um, yeah. which also helps. And I think you said his pressure was elite too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pressure's elite. Yeah, yeah. yeah in terms of tackling, yeah. so, mate, so it's it... he's not he's not really a Carlton uh, because maybe that type of player. If you are talking, if they are talking late first round, well then, geez, what would he be on? I don't think he'd be on much it's... at Freo. But, I don't think he'd be much. I don't think he'd be on much at yeah. all. But he is one of their better players. And considering the amount of players they've lost, I think they're gonna. I think Collingwood, if they are in pursuit, and or whoever's in pursuit of him, is gonna have to give up. Yeah, I don't probably five hundred plus. I don't. No, nah, I reckon so. it would be. I reckon it would be. The average he's, is what four fifty, four hundred. Yeah, but Joe, he's been on a rookie deal for like the last four years. I think this year was his only year with not being on a rookie deal. I so oh, heard that in enough. the podcast today. So. Apparently in the 2020, that year, because obviously they were culling a little bit their um, their list, I think culled by four or five. He wasn't sure whether he was going to get a spot. And yeah, over the last three, four oh. years, he's sort of been getting delisted and then relisted into the to the rookie deal. And then the last deal, mm. I think he had a rookie, um, yeah, rookie deal. And then like two years on the actual primary list. So um, he wouldn't be on much. He wouldn't be on. I reckon two, three hundred grand he'd be on, not even. It's got to be a massive upgrade. For them, it's a massive upgrade on Gidevin, surely. It's huge. Huge. Oh, and massive. it's a it's a Jamie, he's a Jamie Elliott successor, essentially. Mm. How anyway, old is Jamie? He 30 plus? Yeah, he'd be in his 30s now. He's almost yeah. he's almost hit the wall. Yeah. So anyway, enough about Colin again. <laughs> uh no, it's been a pleasure, Baz. It's been a it's been a good night. It's been good to get back into this after a week off. Uh and for anyone watching live, thank you for joining us. For anyone listening in the car later in the week, thank you for listening. Jules, it's always good to see you. Baz. Good to have you back. Well, yeah, uh, thank you, fellas, for the invite. It was lovely to have a chat. Good. Um, and um, yeah, stay safe and um, hopefully uh, things go well for us the rest of this week, next week, and come draft time too. Be interesting. It, and 2024, more importantly. But uh, until then, up the baggers, boys. Come the baggers. Go blue.